Hello, everybody. And uh, we're happy to have these next few moments together. As we continue on in our Bible study uh, that we're doing throughout the New Testament, we're up to Matthew chapter 11. And uh, we've been working through it chapter at a time, verse at a time, trying to work our way through the entire New Testament, which we project will take about five years. And uh, so don't go anywhere. Don't make any changes in your life. (laughs) I expect to see you all here five years from now when we hit that last chapter in Revelation. Yeah. Um, I know that's not going to happen, but still. Hey, but you can watch it online if we continue to go through it. Uh, So uh, I want to start by reading, if I could, Matthew chapter 11 um, to you. Uh, It's in your bulletins. You can follow along, or if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles and read along with us in uh, Matthew chapter 11. This week I've got it in the NIV, beginning at verse 1. It says, After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will, prepare your, uh, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he, who is least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Well, Matthew chapter 11 is similar to Matthew chapter 10 in that both of them are um, both of them record sort of the discourse of Jesus. They're, they're, it's all about Jesus speaking. And uh, it's recording the things that he said. In Matthew chapter 10, if you remember, he was talking to his disciples primarily. And, and now in Matthew chapter 11, he's going to be addressing the crowd. And I think it's interesting to note that um, at the end of the chapter in Matthew 10, he sent his disciples out to go and do the ministry. And yet he continues to go and do ministry as well. The, the, uh, from what I get from this, the guys are out now doing, they're going out and figuring out how it works. And, uh, and Jesus is gone. Now, you'll remember uh, that Jesus sends out the 12, and then later on he's going to send out 70. Um, he sends all these people out trained. And so I have an idea that he's got the 12 out doing stuff, and now he's got a new group that's with him. They're not disciples, but uh, so to speak, they're not the apostles. But they are people that are around him that are working with him, and he continues to go and do the, the work of the kingdom. And so uh, he continues on in the process. And some interesting things happen in this chapter that I think are worth noting. In the first six verses of Matthew chapter 11, uh, this, uh, Jesus begins to talk in response to a question that comes from the disciples of John the Baptist. Now, at this point in time, John the Baptist is in prison, and he's about to be executed by Herod. You, you, if you've read the story, you know that he's eventually beheaded at the request of... Uh, it's, a, it's a bad situation. But anyway, uh, a daughter dances, and he says he'll do whatever he can for her. It's a, it's a long story, and she says, I want John the Baptist's head because her mom's evil, and she doesn't like the fact that John the Baptist has told them that they're living in a way that they shouldn't, and so he gets beheaded. But um, he's in prison now, and he, he sends his disciples with um, uh, this question. And the question is, are you the one? Or is someone else supposed to come? Now, hold in context the fact that back in Matthew 3, at, at the baptism, when Jesus went to John the Baptist, John, was, John clearly knew who he was at that point in time. Let, let me just refresh your memories. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. If you want to write down the address and go check it out later. It said, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So understand that John the Baptist was there at this process, and he was very much aware of who Jesus was. But now sitting in prison, he's wondering, because it hasn't gone the way that he expected it to. Um, I, I imagine that uh, sitting in prison, you have a lot of time for reflection anyway. And, and I'm sure he knows that he's, uh, his end is coming quickly. And he's wondering if he had it right because he, he was sure that, uh, that it was Jesus, the one he was waiting for. And, and remember, the problem that we're facing and that we face throughout 
the, the context of uh, Jesus when he was here is that people were expecting Jesus, the Messiah, to do something different than he did. And they couldn't shake it. And what they were expecting was for him to come and restore Israel to her place of prominence in the nation. Um, they, they were, that's what they were looking for. Uh, they were looking for, at this point, a, a political kingdom, one that would come in in power and put them back at, at the way they were under the reign of King David. And, and so everybody has this idea of what's to come. John the Baptist has this idea that, that the day of judgment is coming. That's why he was saying you need to repent. A day of judgment is coming. And Jesus comes and he knows he's coming, yet he doesn't see the day of judgment. And he's saying, are you the one or is someone else going to come? And, and what Jesus says in response to this question is he quotes from Isaiah chapter 35. And John the Baptist would have got this right away because he would have, he would have known the Old Testament very well. And so when Jesus says what he says, it would have uh, just settled John right away because Jesus is doing exactly what Messiah was supposed to do when he came. And, and Isaiah 35, 4 through 6, jot it down, read it later, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Say to those with fearful hearts, Isaiah 35, 4-6, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The, the verse is saying to, to John, see, John was looking for this day of judgment, but the glory of God is being displayed by the compassion of Jesus for people in great need. See, the, the, they've been overwhelmed by darkness for so long that he's come and he's, he's bringing light into the process and he's, he's ministering to them and they're being healed and they're being changed. But, but it's not the day of judgment that John the Baptist was expecting. It's this other part of this prophecy where, where Jesus has come and he's, he's uh, demonstrating the compassion uh, in, in so doing, demonstrating the glory of God with his compassion in that process. And, and so this answer, though, would have put John at rest in a situation because he's doing uh, scripturally exactly what he was supposed to be doing. So uh, that's the way that he, he kind of answers the disciples of John's question. He gives them that verse to take back to John, and that pretty much should have settled that process. But now he's going to turn and he's going to address the crowds. And, and um, the crowd is a much more difficult situation. Because um, uh, how many of you know that people are fickle? <laughs> uh, all of us are. And um, we are often hard to please and we change our minds all the time and we go through all this process. And, and there's this whole thing that they're going through. And Jesus, in verses 7 through 19, he kind of starts talking to the crowd and he says, he said, look, you, you didn't like John the Baptist's ministry when he came because uh, he, he dressed very, very plainly uh, uh, in, in the way that he dressed, almost sort of uh, wild in the way that he dressed. And his message was just one of repentance. It was a very serious message. And, and because of the intensity, it was like they said, you know, John the Baptist, he was just a little bit too serious for us. He takes this thing a little bit too 
seriously. That's what Jesus is saying to them. Because they, they said, you know, the, the dancing and the dirge and all that stuff. They're kind of sitting back. and, and, and they're, See, God is moving to his children. He's o- opening doors for them. And they're saying, yeah, we didn't like that door. And then they say, Jesus comes. And Jesus says, and so, you know, I'm hanging out with people. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to where the people are. And I hang out with tax collectors and sinners. And you say, well, that can't be God either. That can't be from God. We don't like that either. And so they, they, he's saying, you didn't, you didn't like the ministry of John the Baptist. You don't like the ministry that's come to you, the, the ministry that I bring you. And, and I think it's such a neat picture because, see, the people of Israel are going to refuse Jesus, right? Most of them. And they're going to miss the Messiah. And it's, it's, it's amazing when you... The, the people would have... They'd been trained their whole lives. I've told you in detail how, how they... they uh, at that time, and, and really up, up until the present, um, Hebrew children are schooled in the Old Testament. And they know it. Most of them know at least the first five books by heart. They did at the time. And then some of them knew past that, and some of them knew the entire New Old Testament. Old Testament. They did New Testament was ours. Old Testament. Um, and, and so... In the midst of the Old Testament, we see over and over again how everything was pointing to Messiah and Jesus in particular, how he fit all the feasts and all the things that happened, and he, he fulfilled the prophecies. And yet they, they didn't receive him because he didn't fit into the box that they had created. And, and I put it that way because I think a lot of us try and... Most of us have a box for God. We, we not, might not want to admit it, but we do. And, and we've sort of designed this concept of God that's comfortable for us. But here's the deal. God's not comfortable. Um, sometimes we make God way too safe. And he's not. He's good. But, but he's God. And, and yet, we, so we make these boxes. We still do it. They did it then. And if, if it doesn't fit in our box, then it's not God. And see, God, there's no box that contains God. And, and because we're often so closed-minded, we miss sometimes the things that God is doing because we reject them offhandedly. That's not God because it doesn't fit into my little box. And we have to be careful because I'm not saying everything, and certainly not everything is God. That's, there's a lot of stuff. It's not a lot of counterfeit stuff. But we have to be careful not to just offhandedly dismiss stuff that doesn't fit into our box because we, we miss God all the time. That's what happens. Do you get how amazing it is that they miss God? I mean, do you get it? But do you know most of us would too? We miss. Because it doesn't fit into what we expect. And we've all got these expectations, all of us. And so we have to be willing to sort of get into a place where, where you know, we can, we can sort of say, God, is that you? And listen, but we have to be open. You know, and there were people that were open. I think of Nicodemus who, who came to Jesus at night. Um, he didn't want anybody else to know. But he had an idea that something was going on. And, and he, he went and he, he made a way to Jesus. See, that, that's what, what needs to happen, even though he didn't fit into the box. Jesus didn't come and do what everybody expected him to do. And so they just figured it couldn't be, it couldn't be what God was doing. He wasn't the one. And so they, they just sort of refused to accept him uh, as their king because the king that they wanted was going to deliver them from Rome and the occupation they were in. And so they just, they just couldn't see it to the point of having nothing to do with him. Turn him over. Don't watch it. Even after all the stuff that he did. See, 
that moves it into verse 20, which is really a very powerful verse. It's the first recorded incidence of Jesus sort of issuing uh, words of judgment and warning. And he's saying, listen, he's saying this to the, to the people of Israel, look, um, if, if, if pagan nations had seen, they would repent. And yet, among you, you see the movement of God, and because it's not what you were looking for, you refuse to repent. He says, you're going to be in big trouble <laughs> because of it. Because you refuse to be moved. Because it's not what you expected. Because it, it's never okay. John the Baptist wasn't okay. The, my ministry, Jesus is saying, is not okay. Because it's never okay. You refuse because you're looking for something that fits into your box and your context. And you're missing what's taking place. And, and, and so they, they just they couldn't get past the struggle. But at some level, it's a legitimate struggle because even the disciples struggled. The guys that were with him for that entire three years, it fascinates me that they kept going to him and saying to him, now are you going to do it? Is it time now? We've been messing around here for a long time. Is it now? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? That's what we really all want, Jesus. That's why they were arguing about what position they were going to have. That wasn't for a future kingdom. That was for there. They were, they were looking to see where they were going to sit in the cabinet. This seat, this seat. I want the good seats. And, and he kept saying, and one of, my, one, of, one of my favorite verses is in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. You write it down and look at it later. Uh, I'm going to read it to you, Acts 1, 6. But, but he's had this entire ongoing discussion with his guys. That, that is not the way they expect. He's come. He's got to go to the cross. And they're like, what are you talking about? All of the arguments, all of them trying to prepare. This is happening. I'm going to the cross. I've got to die. There's, these things have to happen. These things must take place. No, Jesus, no. The entire time, he goes to the cross. He's, he, he dies. He's resurrected. And, and in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, after all of that, you know what the question they ask him is? So when they meet together, or when they ask together, they ask him, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still... They, at this now? Finally? And he says, ah, oh, not now. No one gets to know that. My rib brace just popped open. Um, so it's a very strange feeling. But I'm okay. I can still breathe. Um, so are you at this time? And, and you know, I... I often think, I wonder if Jesus just, you know, because we just like that all the time. He wanted to shake his head and just go, come on, guys. Really? Are we still there? You're not getting it. You need to follow along. So, um, so this was the, the ongoing process, but why they missed it. And we have to be careful that we don't miss God because he doesn't fit into our box. And then he closes the chapter in verses 25 through 32 with um, an invitation filled with hope. In, in the form of a prayer. And he says, come to me, and I will give you rest. See, he, he's, he's told them the, the, that not coming is a bad thing. But then he comes and he says, listen, come to me, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. And, and a yoke conveys a couple of meanings. And we've talked about this before. Uh, a yoke is, is sort of conveys the meaning of oxen being tied together and, and how they would pair um, one sort of more mature oxen who knew what he was doing with a younger uh, oxen and, and that uh, 
the one would help and guide and lead the other and and sort of they would shoulder the load together. That's the picture of, of us in Christ and, and that he, he, as we ask him to, he comes alongside us and he leads and guides and helps shoulder the load. You know, he's the one who leads and guides. Uh, it was also the reference, a reference to the teaching of a rabbi. Uh, at the time, the, the, the teaching of any particular rabbi, um, when his, it, rabbis had disciples. And, and to be accepted as a disciple, they'd have to be approved by the rabbi. But then they would also, they would have to take on the yoke of that rabbi, which would mean they would have to take on his teaching and his interpretation of the law and all those other things. They would be considered his yoke. And some of them obviously were harder than others because of the way that they interpreted what was happening. And Jesus says, listen, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Remember, he's already come and, and in the Beatitudes, he, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he turned everything upside down. And he's saying, listen, come to me. It's, it's not what you expect. It's, it's not what you're thinking. It's, it's different. This is, this is the kingdom. And, and he's about to launch into descriptions of the kingdom that, that he's trying to let them know this is what it's like, guys. When we, when we begin to read the parables, you'll see him begin to talk about this is what the kingdom is like. And so he's, he's given them every opportunity, but for the most part, they've already gone into shutdown. And, and they just won't receive him as their king unless he, he comes as the political king that he didn't come as. And so that's all the part of the process and, and everything is taking place in here. This great invitation is how he ends the chapter. Uh, it's a great hope that uh, is for all of us and it's a place of rest for our souls. And so that's what happens in Matthew chapter 11. Okay? You know what you need to read for next week? Matthew chapter 12. Very good. You guys are really picked this up fast. I'm very impressed. All right, uh, pass me up your prayer requests, and we will pray for you here. They'll pray for you up in Williston. Uh, and if you are watching on the Internet, just email us or call us, and we'll be happy to pray for you.